Welcome to the Raging Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Dixon, Kai Zabo, and Taylor McIntyre. What's up, you turkeys, and welcome back to another episode of the Raging Takes Podcast. I'm your host, Kai the Commissioner Zabo, and today's date, April 8th, 2023. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Dixon and Taylor McIntyre, a.k.a. Mac. And we are also joined by special guest Dylan Peters. How are you guys doing? Great, dude. So good. Ready for this episode. Yeah, me too. The anticipation's killing me. I'm, uh, I'm glad you guys invited me on. Welcome yes. to the pod, Dylan. Yeah, welcome to the pod. Little, you know, four-person pod. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, you know, we, we, we like to try some things here. Um, just quick oh, ice. Me too. Quick icebreaker <laughs> and some background for the audience here. Um, all four of us here, we've all had uh, some uh, fantasy football history together. We've all at least been playing fantasy football as a whole for 10 plus years. And we have at least seven years of dynasty fantasy football experience as well. Yeah, man, uh, the fantasy football experience, uh, you guys in here, I respect your skills a lot. And uh, we kind of learned on the fly together, uh, doing all the different formats and stuff. And, yeah, especially uh, in Dynasty, too, which is not an easy one, especially for anyone coming into it uh, with no experience. I, mean, I kind of feel like I, I've been playing with uh, me and Mac. I've been playing for a while, but not too long. I, I've been playing with Dylan for like close to 15 years, I think. And I've been playing with Kai for, I would say, at least 10 now, you know, playing fa- uh, fantasy football. Not necessarily Dynasty, but we do have a lot of experience playing uh, playing together in, in, uh, in fantasy football for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So- Basically, um, this episode is going to be about uh, how to start up a Dynasty Fantasy Football League, and we're here to help anyone who might be interested in trying their next new favorite mode, whether or not they know it or not. Oh, definitely, man. The the Dynasty format really stepped it up for me, uh, especially after the first couple of years when you start to kind of understand how the game goes and how it's kind of a long play. It's definitely a different strategy. Yeah, I, mean, I always, ahead, I always described it as like uh, a combination of like a normal fantasy football league and like a Madden franchise. You know, where you're you're keep like you, you play a season, then you go through the off season with the same players. You try to like add and drop certain players of need that you you know you might want, and uh, and then you just run it back the next year. You know, it's just it's a fun little wrinkle for for players who want just like a little extra to their fantasy football experience. Yeah, I would yeah, it's, say, really, it's okay. really great for the sorry. It's really great for the people that like really love football. Like me personally, I was I grew up a Chargers fan, and I gave up on that once they left the city of San Diego the way they did. So now I'm just a, a free agent fan. I root for whoever I like, but I just love football. You know what I mean? So it, it works out for me. Like having having my dynasty leagues, it's really the best. You're a you're a nomad fr- fan now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A nomad. <laughs> Just, just, just send me out there. I'll root for your team, dude. All right, come, come root for the Raiders. Uh, oh, 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 wait, I'm hiring you. I'm hiring you as a nomad fan to be a Raider fan. What do you accept? Uh, all right, I have, I have to admit this. I'm actually a Chiefs fan. I've been hiding it what this whole f- time. I've been hiding it this whole time. What the f- yeah, okay. I know. I, I. I have a I have a Chiefs jersey right here. Actually, this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> I am out, sir. It, it does kind of like hold up for a guy that would abandon his team just because of the logistics, you know? Yeah, that kind of thing. So typical Chargers fans. Whoa. Whoa. 
fair weather. Uh, Brian, I like that you brought up that uh, like the Madden franchise kind of wrinkle to the dynasty format because mm-hmm. it's true. Like we grew up doing that, so we were already like constructing rosters and drafting players and uh, seeing, signing free agents in a video game. So it kind of actually did uh, almost play into like the love for dynasty. It definitely like scratches that itch in my childhood brain, you know, where it's like, yeah. I remember doing that as a kid and now I don't do it as often on, on actual video games. So, but I can do it on my phone, you know, with my friends and it's just, it's fun, you know? Yeah. I would, yeah, say, it's, up. I would say it's about as authentic as you can get to feeling like an NFL manager. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a very fun mode for the most committed uh, football fanatics. But anyways, before we start with how to start up a dynasty fantasy football league let's pan over to brian for some sports news around the world all right what's up you turkeys it's news time with brian uh all right so let's start off first with like the biggest nfl story of the week and that is tyreek hill saying that he was going to he's planning on retiring after his deal is up in 2025 now his deal isn't like necessarily up but he does have a potential out for his contract in 2025 so i assume that's what he's talking about do you guys think that he's telling the truth here? Uh, I I see that if he keeps going with this deal, it goes up to 2026. He'd be a free agent uh, in 2027, unrestricted free agent. And he has a base salary of like $44 million in 2026 if he keeps going. So is that you think that he's going to opt out of his deal and retire? Or do you think that he's going to have a change of heart here in the next couple of years? How old is he going to be in 2026? So he is 29 right now. So 32-ish, 33, yeah. Woof-da. I'm going to say he's the next Aaron Rodgers. What I actually think is going to happen is he's going to sign another contract with whoever, whoever gives him a a nice big signing bonus, and he'll play for, I don't know, half the year or something like that, and then retire. Just get a little bit more interesting cash in his pocket. Antonio Brown move a little bit? What do you think? Not exactly, but... You see, I think what he's doing is he's seeing all these receivers that are aging in his age range, and they're re- reaching the last year of their deals while they have high cap hits. And they're seeing he's seeing what's happening to these guys, and he's saying, "Hey, but what if I get in front of this and maybe kind of start a narrative that you know I'm going to do this? Maybe I can get out of this deal. Maybe I can get traded. Maybe my window is shrinking." But he's maybe just trying something different, uh, or he's just lying. Either one. You think that's feasible? Yeah, getting ahead of the game, basically saying like, uh, before I get into my last year, where my cap hit is forty-four million, and like I'm going to be cut or traded or something like that. Maybe kind of put himself in charge of the narrative instead of the media. I don't think he's lying. I think he does believe that he's going to retire after 2025. But I just think that's so so far. It's a you know pretty far away right now. I think he definitely has an opportunity to change his mind. I don't I don't expect him to retire in 2025, but we'll see. I guess we'll see. Anything else about Tyreek Hill? Uh, yeah, I have one thing to say. Actually, it's more of a question posed towards you guys. Um, how do you think this affects his dynasty value? Um, so you know you're going to get at least a top 12 uh, wide receiver for the next three years or for his last three years per se. I mean, what do you guys think? I would say he's probably like a top five receiver for the next couple of years still, honestly. All right. There's no there's no stopping that train. They're loaded up, the Dolphins. I mean, so I think, I don't know. Do you think it's a good time to sell high on him right now? I don't think. Uh, no, definitely not this no, moment. It's a, it's a sell low because of the statement he made. So. Yeah. 
And I don't think you should sell low on a guy of his talent. So I would let that breathe for a little bit. And then maybe if you really wanted to trade him, maybe closer to the season when people are like, oh, man, Tyreek Hill really helped my roster. You know, maybe I should, you know, and then try to make a, 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 a sell high situation happen. But uh, no, I don't I don't think you can sell high right now just because of the statement. Well, in the dynasty format, like he's basically 30. When you see someone's 29, you're like, OK, they're 30 years old by the season. By the time the season starts, give or take a couple months. And his stock was already kind of dipping, and he basically came out and said, "Like, hey, any any questions of how long I'm playing? I'll put it to an end right now." Gave himself three years. I don't think you can sell high on Tyreek at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you even could before, you know, because yeah. we knew he was coming to an end at some point. Can I read you guys a trade that happened right before the playoffs in my other league? Absolutely. This is like the obviously the peak of his value, kind of. So it was uh, Travis Kelsey also and Tyreek Hill for Dalton Schultz, Jamal Williams, Brian Robinson, Christian Watson, a 2023 third rounder, a 2024 first, and a 2025 first. Wow. Hmm. That's so a blockbuster right there. It was huge. Yeah, the, the chat blew up that day. It was, it was Hill and who? Hill and Kelsey? Hill so and Kelsey. Hill yeah. and Kelsey, wow. So that guy had Hill and Kelsey while they were on the Chiefs, and he his team his team was pretty good, and he just decided to like total rebuild basically. Mm. He, definitely got got, he definitely got younger. Well, I mean, long story short, that apparent I, that guy and I that uh, had Hill and Kelsey we don't get along, but apparently he quit all of our all of his leagues except for that dynasty league. So it felt a little bit like. He was kind of feed because he's like best friends with my cousin. He was trying to mm-hmm. feed him some good players, and I said as much. But you know, it's fine. It's fine. I still won. So yeah, you sound like you're over it. Yeah, no. I'm over it. <laughs> I didn't realize Tyree Kill has been in the league so long. He got drafted in 2016. I like now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I remember his draft day and stuff. Uh, I was like, damn, se- seven, eight years. It's been a minute. I mean, the way he plays, he just appears to still look young, young to me at least. I think that's where the confusion may come from. He was one sixty-five overall, fifth round. That's insane. crazy. Yeah, yeah crazy. Did, it took a couple years to really get like to his peak of play, like two or three years. I thought I thought he had a pretty like. I mean, uh, he didn't like have a Tyree Kill type rookie season, but he was like decent yeah. to start off, wasn't he? He was definitely like, decent right away. Yeah. Like, usable anyway for fantasy and i something that like pops back up into my mind sometimes is like imagine if he actually kareem hunted his way off the chiefs you know what i mean that whole drama like what what would his career like what would his value have been if that had happened like he's probably not on the dolphins now and you know what was that whole drama was like with his baby mama right yes domestic violence uh accusations and shit yeah Jeez. Right. Yeah. Recordings. Uh, his rookie year in 2016 for Kansas City, he had 61 catches, 593 yards, and six touchdowns. In 2017, he had 75 catches, 1,183 yards, and seven touchdowns. And then he had 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns in 2018. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so we got going quickly there. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on. We'll just run through. Uh, I know the NBA and the NHL are uh, about done, so the playoffs are wrapping up. So I'll just go through some standing stuff for the NBA and NHL, and then we'll just do a quick little run through the MLB, and then it'll be back to Kai for the rest of the episode. So we'll start off, and we'll start in the NHL real quick. So uh, NHL teams only have 
a game or two left in the season. A few ga- or just a handful of games, actually. Uh, a lot of playoff spots have already been locked up. So in the Eastern Conference, the Bruins have already clinched the best record. They're going for the all-time wins record in their last two games. Uh, the Maple Leafs and Lightning have clinched spots. They are going to be playing each other in the first round, I believe, for either the second or third year in a row. They're going to be playing each other in the playoffs, which is also weird because they have like identical uniforms. Both blue and white, they look exactly the same. It's very odd. Uh, in the other division, the, Met- uh, the Metropolitan Division, the Hurricanes, Devils, and Rangers have all had locked up playoff spots, and the Panthers, Islanders, and Penguins are all fighting for the last two spots. Over in the Western Conference, the Golden Knights can lock up the Pacific Division today with a win against the Dallas Stars, and then the Oilers losing to the uh, San Jose Sharks. Probably won't happen. The Sharks are terrible. But hopefully the Knights can at least uh, lock up their part of the deal there. Uh, the Oilers, Kings, and Kraken have all clinched the playoffs in the Pacific Division as well. Uh, just trying to keep playing for standings purposes. The Knights currently have 106 points. The Oilers have 103, and the Kings have 100. Over in the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars are both tied at 100 points. The Stars, like I just said, have a huge game against the Gold Knights today at 12:30 uh, Pacific time. The Wild have also clinched a playoff spot, and it seems like the last spot is going to come down to basically either Winnipeg the Predators or the Flames. So that's the NHL. A couple big games coming up. I'm excited to uh, talk NHL playoffs next week. We will have a NHL and NBA playoff preview. So uh, you guys don't really watch hockey, so I imagine you don't have anything much to say about that. Uh, I will then go over to the NBA then. So in the NBA, the play-in tournament's coming up next week. Uh, I don't know if you guys are are super locked into that. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, though, it seems like it is going to be the 7-8 matchup is probably going to be the Heat and the Hawks. In uh, the 9-10 matchup is going to be the Raptors and Dylan Chicago Bulls. Uh, do you guys have any hot takes about either of those play-in matchups? I said it was uh, Heat and who? Heat and Hawks would be the 7-8, so the winner of that would get the 7 seed, and the loser of that would face the winner of Raptors Bulls. The loser of Raptors Bulls will be eliminated. Mm, I don't know. I kind of like the Heat in that one, actually. I, I think the Heat are by far the best team of these four. So I, I fully expect the Heat to beat the Hawks, and I think the Heat will be the 7 seed for sure. Uh, for right. the other one, it's a little harder to tell. The Raptors and Bulls are both just bad. Uh yeah, neither one of them deserve to be here. So I, I, not that the Hawks do either, but I would expect the Hawks to take care of either team that wins here. So I tend to think that the Raptors have a better team than the Bulls, but they just haven't been able to put it together. So I, I would say that the Raptors will probably beat the Bulls and then the Hawks will beat the Raptors and it'll be Heat 7 seed, Hawks 8 seed in the East. That's my personal prediction. I guess we'll see. Uh, a couple of playoff matchups in the Eastern Conference, too, have been locked up. The Sixers are guaranteed to play the Brooklyn Nets in the 3-6 matchup, and the Cavaliers and Knicks are guaranteed to meet in the first round in the 4-5 matchup. Oh, that's going to be a banger. Yeah, Cavs-Knicks is going to be pretty good. Julius Randle is currently still injured, but I expect that he will be back before game one. So the Knicks should be have their full lineup. I think the Cavs are going to have their full lineup, besides minus maybe Isaac Okoro. They have a lot. Of, they match up really well, like against each other, like mm-hmm. lengthwise and like the style of their guard play. That's uh, man, that's gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna have Knicks to are, actually check that one out. Knicks are three and one against the Cavs this season too, so it's been a tough matchup really? for the Cavaliers. Yeah, is it just Jalen Brunson? 
the last game that they played, which was last Friday, Jalen Brunson popped off. He had 40 something points. Yeah, I think he had like 48 points. So I, uh, he's really good. Obviously, Julius Randle is, is pretty good. So I, I do expect the I'm a Cavaliers fan. I expect the Cavs to win. Uh, with that being said, I'm not taking the Knicks lightly. They also have Tom Thibodeau as their coach, who has a lot of playoff experience. So I um, I think they'll beat the Knicks, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Quick aside here on the Mavs, since we're talking about Brunson, is that like like by far the worst managed team this year? How they just completely fell off the map? Oh, Brunson, yeah, Brunson doesn't play for the Mavs anymore, but yes, absolutely. That's they, what I mean. They let him yeah, walk, and then have. they get a Kyrie, and they somehow get worse with Kyrie. You know don't, for, I mean? don't forget that everybody just had the worst fucking things to say about Jalen Brunson in the offseason, too. Like, everybody they? was like, yeah, oh, dude. Man. I like immediate, I, I do, too. I really like him, too. So when, when he first was hitting free agency, the Knicks were a name immediately where it's like, the Knicks want to give Jalen Brunson a max deal or whatever. And then, you know, NBA Twitter's like, Jalen Brunson, oh my God, the Knicks will never be good. And it's like, Jalen Brunson's like not bad, you dorks. Like, I, 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 I didn't, I never understood that. Then they signed him to the deal that they wanted to sign him at. They got made fun of relentlessly. And then the Knicks have their best season in a long time. So it's like, I, I don't know. Now, nobody, you'll never hear anybody say a bad thing about Jalen Brunson. It's as if everybody forgot that it even happened last offseason. So it's like, uh, yeah, I, I do agree that the Mavs should not have let him go. Uh, Mark Cuban seemed to blame it on Jalen Brunson's father uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that floating around in the right. news. But he- and then his dad just made a counter statement, which like completely abolished anything Mark Cuban mm-hmm. had to say. So Yeah. So it seemed like a, just an easy, convenient excuse for Mark Cuban to blame it on somebody else. But yeah, I, uh, definitely a mistake getting rid of Brunson and then an even bigger mistake bringing in Kyrie Irving. I believe that they finished nine and 17 with Kyrie Irving in the lineup. (laughs) Terrible, terrible, terrible. Definitely not ideal. You want that the other way when you bring in a player of that caliber. Absolutely. So, uh, in the West, obviously last night, the Mavericks, uh, rolled over like a dog and with their belly out and, you know, basically forced whoever they were playing yesterday to beat them. So they didn't have to go to the playoffs. So Mavericks are toast. Um, it seems as if the four play in teams for, well, I guess we'll see what going on at the top. Currently the four play in teams for the West are Lakers, Pelicans, T wolves, thunder. So the Lakers and Pellies would be playing in the seven, eight matchup. Winner would get the seventh seed. Zion Williamson does not sound like he's coming back anytime soon or at all this season. So Pelicans will not have him. Pelicans started off so good. They were like the one seed in December <laughs> and then they just fell off completely. It was a very, very odd season. Uh, assuming the Lakers stay at the seven seed and don't jump the Clippers or the Warriors, I would expect the Lakers to win the seven, eight matchup and secure their spot in the playoffs. I think they are. I think they're the best team of these of these four. Uh, I think it would be awesome if the Thunder could be the eight seed. I, I really like the Thunder. They have a nice, young, fun team. With that being said, I don't think that they will. I think I think that they'll give either the Pelicans, T-Wolves, or both of them a little hell. I think it'll be a close game. I wouldn't expect the Thunder to make the playoffs, but what do, you, do you guys have any uh, strong takes about L.A., New Orleans, Minnesota, or Oklahoma City? No, well, OKC, I like them too, but they're kind of like the Warriors in the sense that they're not extremely long like they don't have a bunch of really Mm -hmm. like big centers and stuff like that so they rely on their guard play very heavily which is fine because they've gotten extraordinary play out of some young guys at that position but yeah i think you're right i think lakers are probably the one to really dominate out of all all four of those teams that could potentially be in the play-in so don't get me wrong 
you know, don't hear what I'm not saying. I don't think the Lakers are a good team. With that being said, I do think they're they. I mean, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis, who, when locked in, you have a chance to beat anybody. I I, I don't see them. Let's see if they if they're the seven seed, who would they play in the first round? They play the Grizzlies. Actually, they can beat the Grizzlies. That would be that's an interesting uh, matchup from the uh, the Shannon Sharp game point of view too. That actually be a that would be a, a very interesting playoff series, Grizz Lakers. But, um. Yeah, I uh, so let's see here. The the Nuggets have clinched the top seed in the West. They're in. The Grizzlies and Kings both have clinched their division. They're in. Uh, the Suns have clinched a playoff position. They're in. And the Thunder are definitely in the play-in. So that's that's the what the Western Conference is looking like. Every other spot is still up for grabs. Uh, the Warriors are currently the five seed. They are only a game up on the seven seed Lakers. They're a half game up on the six seed Clippers. So there's still a lot of stuff, a lot of drama going on in the Western Conference. Uh, so yeah, we'll see about that. Anybody else got anything to say about the NBA? No, let's, uh, let's address our fan submitted take that we have for basketball. Yes, sir. All right. So this is from my guy, Jose Blea from UNLV's rebel report. He's a uh, student journalist at UNLV. You can catch the rebel report on, on YouTube. I believe on Wednesdays every week, it will be live on YouTube. So go check them out. They do a great job at rebel report. Uh, he, we asked for some hot takes some fan submitted hot takes for the NBA season. And he replied, my hot take is that Luca will request a trade this off season after a, the Mavs missed the playoffs, which just happened. Ooh. And <laughs> B, Kyrie leaves a free agency, which is bound to happen. Obviously, <laughs> Kyrie. So this, I mean, this looked like a good take last week when he sent us the DM, uh, looks like an even better take now. So, uh, shout out to Jose. That was a great, uh, great take. The Mavs, are obviously going to miss the playoffs because they wanted to. I like Mark Cuban uh, acting like he was upset they missed the shot at the end of the game yesterday. It was very, quite good acting by that TV star. Um, so, and then Kyrie leaving at free agency. I mean, obviously that's not guaranteed to happen, but it's going to happen, right? Kyrie's definitely going to leave, right? Is, oh, yeah. is there any way they one he's, want to resign him? Two, about he, wants anybody. To stay? he doesn't care about shit, dude. He cares about number one, and that is him. That is Kyrie Irving. So. Uh, yeah, I think this is I think this is spot on. I think that that was a terrible trade for that franchise. He's going to leave and go to like the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Lakers or like somebody will still sign him. Don't give me somebody absolutely will still sign him. Um, I, th- those are my two predict. I mean, the Lakers are low hanging fruit, obviously, to predict him going to the Lakers. The T Wolves are my other are my dark horse to get Kyrie. I could see them going. You know what? We're the T Wolves. Who cares? Fuck it, let's try to get Kyrie Irving, and we'll we'll combine Kyrie and Cat and Anthony Edwards. I could see uh, Luca legitimately requesting a trade as well, too. From what we know about Luka Doncic, he is very much a player that wears his heart on his sleeve when he plays. You can see it; he's very emotional player, hyper competitive. You can tell when he's upset or when he's angry while he's playing. I could definitely see him just being sick of this situation and maybe testing his shot somewhere else. And someone will definitely take him for sure. Oh, absolutely, Luca! Absolutely. Uh, where, you got like a you got like a team that you think he would fit in on? Uh, Lakers. I think he's Laker. Get the fuck oh out of town. Get out of here, dude! Get Come on. That's a homer. Um, That's a homer take. You freak of nature. There's no. Way. Like, I think he wants out of the West. Legitimately, I think he wants out of the West. Oh, well, I was gonna. I mean, I'm sure the Mavs would want to trade him to the East too if they had a choice, but. What about like the Sacramento Kings throwing him on the Kings? That would be fun, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that, that, would that be, actually that, does make sense. That's a that's a great that's a great uh, fit. I think. Uh, I hate looking that it at makes the sense. East, Why did you say that? I, they just, they, <laughs> I saw that purple and it screamed to me. It's like Brian. 
the Knicks are obviously a, a name that will probably pop up in uh, in signing. The Heat, the Heat are always in on shit like on on names like this. I'm going down the the East. Uh, I, I would say like the Knicks and the Kings are like the two that I I would think on top I, of my head that I, I think Luca would be good with. I could see New York for sure. Yeah, big market. That, that's absolutely. That that's oh, a player yeah. that the Knicks would go all in on, especially now that they've had like a really nice season too. Uh, you can you can uh, uh, reignite uh, Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic too. So it's like you know what? they already have some chemistry together. I, I that would be a name that I would look for. Would be the Knicks for sure. Knicks and Kings. Wasn't uh, Luke? Wasn't Luka reported saying that he misses Brunson like shortly after oh, the sh- signing? I'm not sure actually. He did say he missed like he missed playing with him basically. Like he's a great guy, great teammate, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So there's a bromance there, no no doubt. Match made in heaven. All right. All right. Moving on from the NBA. Thank you, Jose, for the hot take. If you have any more, please send them our way. We will happily read them on air anytime. Uh, all right, just a quick little run through the MLB. There's only been a couple series, so it's not like a lot to talk about. I just want to look at some of these records. Uh currently the Rays are seven and oh. I don't know if you guys realize that they have been playing like the easiest teams. I think they played the Tigers, the Nats and the A's so far. So take that for what you will. Uh, but they are seven. Oh, nice start to the season. I thought the Rays, I, I predicted the Rays would finish above the Blue Jays in the division. So the Rays look pretty good so far. Um, the AL East, though, is a is a is a log jam uh, in the AL Central. The Twins are currently leading in that division. Uh, a half game lead on the Guardians in the AL West. The Angels the owner of Kai's uh, first raging take of the season are leading the uh, currently tied with the Rangers for the lead in the division at four and three each. So um, angels do. And pretty, I like that uh, little Shogun uh, headdress thing that they should, that they showed off last night that Mike Trout was wearing after he hit the home run. I thought that was pretty stylish. What would you think about that one? Kai, did you see that one? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was watching that game. I saw the home run and then yeah, I noticed the hat. Like usually the hat that they use is usually like some kind of like a, it's like a cowboy looking hat or yeah, like it was a, like a cowboy hat last or, year. Or, right? Yeah. Or a straw hat. So yeah, I thought mm-hmm. that was a nice little change of pace right there. I got it. It looked like chuckle out of it. It looked like something that you would get like from like a Halo DLC battle pass or something like that. You know, it's like level 100. Here's a Shogun helmet. Uh, over in the NL, the Braves are leading the NL East. They're six and two. They have a two game lead on the Mets currently. The Brewers are six and one. Damn, I did not realize the Brewers were six and one. Uh, so they have a game lead on the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. Um, and in the NL West, the Dodgers are currently leading the West. They're at five and three. The Diamondbacks had a really tough schedule to start off there. I think they had the uh, 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 Lakers, the Dodgers and the Padres for the first 10 games of the season. They're only at game nine right now. So they're still in that little gauntlet, but like four and four only playing the Padres and Dodgers. Not bad. Uh, Yeah. So I think the Diamondbacks should be really happy with where they're at right now. I, I I have a uh, Diamondbacks fan friend who has been texting me st- uh, details about their games, and he hasn't sounded too impressive with too impressed with any parts of their team. So them not playing well and playing the two toughest teams in the division and being four and four, I think you should be really happy about that. So I'd like to comment on the Diamondbacks. Go know, ahead. Yeah. I am a Padres fan. Uh, these new rules, the pitch clock and the the bigger bases and everything, it's almost like it was like tailor made for their play style. Like they are fast as hell mm-hmm. so if anybody gets on like that's a problem with the padres have on their own right now is they're walking everybody so we walked the crap out of the uh the diamondbacks and so they would just be on first all of a sudden they're on second you know a little a little bloop in their home they're stealing to third just it's crazy that like they are playing 
so scrappy, so well. They're very, they've always been really, really well coached, and they got a lot of young guys that just want to, you know, give their give their best, you know. So trying to get the next big contract. So they're they're an, an interesting team in that division for sure. I agree. That's why I said I thought that they would make a little run at the NL wild card. I don't think they're good enough. I know the Padres have come out to a little bit of a lull to start the season. I don't expect that to continue for the whole year. Uh, I think it's still very obvious the Dodgers and Padres are the two best teams in that division. But that being said, I do think the Diamondbacks are above the Giants and Rockies by like, I wouldn't say a significant amount, but it's a, it's a nice gap. I, I think that they're going to make a nice little wild card run. I don't know if they'll actually win it, but they're, they're going to have a, a, a more fun season this year than last year, I think, for sure. Yeah, they're an exciting young team. I think that was a great point about how the uh, the rule changes fit their style of play. I didn't even think about that. I think you're I think you're right. That's a good point. Uh, all right, that's it for the MLB for me. Kai, Kai Dylan, you guys got anything else for baseball? Uh, no, I'm, I'm ready to go. Okay, then I guess I will throw it back to the commish for our dynasty talk. All right. Thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you, Brian and Mac, for your extensive NBA knowledge as well, too, for uh, carrying me and Dylan over here. Um, anyways, <laughs> Anytime, baby. moving on. So back to our original topic that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. What is a Dynasty Fantasy Football League? I'm going to pan this one over to Dylan. Uh, let him know what Dynasty Fantasy Football is and how it differs from uh, normal fantasy football. All right. So Dynasty Fantasy Football. Um is basically like we mentioned earlier you are going to be gathering talent on your team through a longer draft it's not it's not your standard um starting lineup and a small bench so it's going to be a full team um how it differs is basically you're carrying that team year after year um and with that comes players getting older players getting less talented or injured and how you're going to fill your roster to carry your team that long. And and we usually play with more, uh, more of a starting lineup and, and dynasty. So it is filling more roster spots as well. Um, man, I dynasty is hard to explain, uh, in many ways though. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah, it's almost something you have to experience a little bit, right? Like, you know, there, plenty of people have heard of, like, regular fantasy football. You come back each year, you draft your players, and then you do it all over again the next year, right? Yeah. This is just, you completely flip that on its head. You were like, I remember my very first uh, startup draft with the league, we're all in together now, uh, seven years ago. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, I was so proud of my team because... I had the youngest players. I was like doing all the math. I was like, oh my gosh, I have the youngest team by a lot. I really like this Marcus Mariota guy, man. Uh, you know what I mean? So it was yeah. like, it, it, but that ended up not paying off at all. I had to complete, I had to make a bunch of trades, waiver wire stuff, get some veterans on my team before I could ever actually like compete at all. So it's, it's interesting. You need like a nice balance of like young, like sophomores, you know, rookies and things like that. And then, yeah, it's it's hard because you're with how many teams there are, ten teams, let's say twenty-five roster spots, it's two hundred and fifty players plus whoever's injured on IR, the waivers are desolate, right? So one mistake can take you a whole season to get over. Exactly. One one, two mistakes can take you two, three years to get over because drafting the wrong player, expecting um expecting like a production at that 
position and it not coming through, like you're now weak at that position. And there's nothing you could really do until, unless you make some trades or make a good draft pick the next season. Um, it's not like you can just go and pick up a guy all the time. Like you're very lucky if waivers are your friend to actually fill roster spots. Yeah, getting Patrick Mahomes off waivers is like literally impossible, right? Yeah, like Darren Waller, Tony Pollard, those guys, you're going to find those guys that are late round draft picks or like backups that are climbing up the depth chart. And you have to be on top of that um, to do Dynasty. You can't just kind of pick the hot player. Sometimes you got to look ahead. And I think that that takes the longest time to learn. Yeah, it's definitely a, a year-long commitment to be in a dynasty league and to remain successful at it. Um, so let's move on on how to start one up and the perfect time to. So I would say the perfect time to start up a dynasty league would be anywhere from April to July. You want to give your league ample amount of time to do research on dynasty and starting a dynasty league is a lot of trial and error. So the more time of preparation you give yourself, the better results you are going to have. All right, yeah, let me uh, let me interject here. Let me ask you this: uh, Would you, in your opinion, because I've never really thought about this before, in your opinion, if you were starting up a dynasty league right now, would you want to do it before the rookie draft and just draft like your core team and then do a rookie draft afterwards in like a month, or would you want to just wait for the first draft to just wait till after the rookies find their homes in in real life? And then just draft everybody all at once. What what would you do in your in your opinion? Um, so obviously, of course, it's preference here. I mean, so the way that I did it in our dynasty league when we did the initial startup, so we waited till after the rookie draft, and then we just did a whole draft, uh, a whole initial startup draft, all thirty roster spots, just uh, rookies and veterans. I think I like that better too. I don't think there's a wrong answer there, but I think I, I prefer that way too. I think it's just easier. Yeah, no, that's definitely the easiest way to do it. I mean, especially if you're a first-time commissioner of a dynasty league, you don't want to like confuse yourself with having two drafts in one off-season because uh, mm -hmm. the settings can get a little confusing at times. Um, but since we're on that topic too, uh, the app that I would recommend the most for anyone who wants to start a dynasty league would be Sleeper. Sleeper is a great app, and it's very catered to the dynasty format of play. So that is what I recommend. And I think you guys can all attest to that as well, too. We all love Sleeper here. Not a sponsor. Um, yes. Not, hashtag, I, not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor. Yeah, I, uh, I like Sleeper a lot, too. I, uh, I, I was hard-headed towards ESPN for a long time because it was like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. I'm a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of guy. But ESPN just like would refuse to, to upgrade their uh, UI every single year it was just like the same thing over and over again and it was just like after a while i was like this is just so outdated and i feel like sleeper does a really good job of improving their app every single year making good changes to it like keeping it updated and fresh and it's just it's just got like a more fun feel to it for sure and yeah man the all all of the things that are not fantasy football related in that app are great too the chat the interface the different forums all the places you can do mock drafts, you can meet new people, you can talk strategy with complete strangers, um, and you can actually learn a little bit. Um, I, whenever I was first on Sleeper, I I did a lot of like the start sit kind of stuff. Like I would read people's opinions and I would pick people's brains um, for the good and the bad. So there's, there's a lot of stuff you could do inside the app as well. 
Yeah, that's a yeah. Very, very good point to make. Go ahead, Mac. Uh, I've just heard it's great for all kinds of fantasy too, not just football. So yeah. I haven't actually tried it myself, but it's very it's just a good app. You know, yeah. they're very dedicated. So does anybody remember Flea Flicker? Oh yes, yeah, sure. I, I actually I actually never used it, but I did hear about it. <laughs> heard about it, yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. Kai wasn't in it, and it, yeah, yeah, that that was a that was a shitty ass website. <laughs> so um, yeah, Dylan, being a being, being a dynasty commissioner yourself, I think both of us have actually ported our current dynasty leagues over from another yes. app to Sleeper. Yeah, I started mine on ESPN, and yeah, it, ESPN was just not catered for dynasty at all at the time. And Mac here actually suggest was the one that suggested Sleeper, and ever since we moved over there, yeah, just fell in love with it. Definitely, man. I actually took over uh, the Dynasty League that I run from Brian um, the year we moved to Sleeper. I took it over, moved it over to Sleeper. It was a big learning curve, like getting getting the whole league over, but I'm glad that we did. All right, so let's move on. So yeah, we so we talked about how to establish a startup draft, what we recommend, the app we recommend using as well. So now let's move into how players are valued differently in Dynasty compared to a standard league. Can I add one more thing to establishing the startup draft before yeah. we move on, Kai? So I, I would say that it's very important to, because I feel like I did my due diligence in this and it still failed. Like when you're when you're establishing a startup draft, make sure that everyone knows exactly what the dynasty draft is what they're getting into what exactly the league is because i feel like i explained that to when i started up the the league that dylan now runs i feel like i did that really well with my friends and only half of them understood even though they all said they understood and they were like <laughs> yeah yeah only half of them truly understood uh, i believe the first overall pick was matt forte who was out of the league two years later this was like 2015 ish this this uh, startup draft happened uh, one of my friends who's a very good fantasy player, first two picks were Peyton Manning and Marshawn Lynch. So it was like, it was just obvious that they did not listen to a single thing that I said. So if, well, if you don't want to regret it later, make 110% sure that everyone understands exactly what that league is, because just taking like five extra minutes to like sit down and explain it to people could save you like years of headaches that I had to endure after, after that disaster of a draft. Oh yeah. Dylan's done a pretty good job turning it around, but yeah, I, I, uh, I did not have a very good experience the first couple of years of that, of that league. Yeah. We will definitely get into the kind of problems and issues that you may run into with a dynasty league, especially involving the fellow players you picked to start one up with. So, but we will get into that later. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so how players are valued differently in a dynasty league compared to a standard league? Who wants to start this one off? Why don't you go, Mac? Yeah, right. So I talked about our startup draft seven years ago and how I was so proud of my team being so young and how I had to revamp that almost immediately because I, I, I can't remember how that first year went exactly because it's so long ago, but... I didn't win many games, right? That was back when we had Brittany in the league, you know, nice young lady. And so she had at the time, what was it, this Todd Gurley, who was just winning all of her games for her, and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So she had young players that were good, and I did not, basically. So I was like, okay, I need to go get some proven guys, basically, to get some, you know, uh, high scores in there. So... Yes. Okay, so I I think to value players in Dynasty is to 
find a blend of talent and age. You can still draft the 27-year-old wide receiver who's at the top of his game, right? But you have to balance out with age on other ends, or else you're going to end up a team that wins at first, but then ages out. And you can't draft enough players, and you can't trade enough players to come to get yourself back into like relevance. You know what I mean? It takes longer. So there's two roads. You can go young, right, and take as many shots at young players as you can because that's what this game is about, right? The I did a startup draft. It was not this past year, but the year before. I did a startup draft. I got guys like uh, I got Patrick Mahomes. I got Jamar Chase. I got Kyle Pitts. I got Jonathan Taylor. Guys like that. I went super young, and I won that. I won in that first year, and you can do that. You just have to be lucky and smart. I think uh, I think the key though, uh, you can definitely win by going like trying to for like mostly like veteran stars. You can win going like the young route. I think the answer to I would say not every single uh, case, but most cases, I think the best thing is to combine uh, uh, like veterans and and younger players. So have like that core star lineup, like your four or five players that you're going to ride or die with no matter what. They're in your lineup. No brainers every single week, but then still have that continuous like farm system that if you're drafting correctly every year, you should have, you know, uh, at least two or three good players that you can build off every single year. Even if you have a couple busts, you still have at least two players that you can add to your, you know, add to your bench. And it's just, you just can have this continuous farm system for years and years, if you draft correctly, the draft is such a key part of it for sure. I think that's my favorite way of doing it, though. Is just have like four or five players that you ride with, and then just keep drafting young players and like fit around them, and just hope that a couple of them hit. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Brian, on that. Um, also, another thing to mention too. Um, so compared to standard leagues, um, there are also draft picks which can be tradable throughout the seasons in Dynasty, and draft picks, of course, play some high value for your rookie drafts in future seasons, you know. Um, some people, when uh, they do bad in the season, they put more emphasis on rebuilding their team by acquiring as many draft picks as possible for taking shots on younger players, as we've been saying. So that's also another thing to worry about in Dynasty is your draft picks. Oh, yeah, yeah. some people say, fuck them picks, sorry the profanity some people want to stock up on them right and i think there is there there's times where if you're in win now mode your draft picks might not look as good and some people might value them more but that dynasty is every year you have this fresh batch of rookies coming in right and if you don't at least get one of those guys coming in each year you're gonna you're gonna feel the effects of that years down the line when you don't have any influx of new talent coming in. Yep. So anyways, let's move on. I think we covered that pretty well. So let's talk about how to handle your first dynasty off season and uh, a few rule suggestions that we have for navigating that as smoothly as possible. So for your first dynasty off season, um, make sure you uh, set up a clear boundary on how to do the draft order. So the way that I like to do it personally is so, um, so in a 10-man league, um, so only six people or six teams go to the playoffs and the, the four that are out of the playoff or postseason contention, I set their draft order uh, pretty much after the regular season based on their record. So uh, the worst team will be first overall and so on. 
And then for the playoff teams, I will assign their draft order the moment that they are out of the playoffs and based on seeding. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's the proper way to do it. I, that's um, I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of sports leagues as well handle their draft orders. Um, yeah, just keep it as authentic least, as possible yeah. is mainly my gist yeah. here. Um, another important suggestion that I would like to know. Um, so when you set up your rookie draft uh, after your first offseason, a, a really crucial setting is make sure to put the draft order on linear and not snake. So that way, obviously, you know, it sticks to the format. So whoever picked first in the first round will pick first in the second round rather than your normal uh, fantasy drafts where it goes like, you know, the guy picks last and then he picks first in the next round. So, yeah, just make sure to set it on linear and not snake for your rookie drafts. Very important. Good yeah, call. Yes. Great tip. Yep. Once the draft starts, you can't stop it. Exactly. I mean, in, sleep, in Sleeper, you can. And Sleeper allows you to pause the draft, which is a really nice feature that they have. Just another thing that makes that app so great. Um, another thing I'd recommend, too, is establish a clear rule for your waivers. There's a few different ways you can do this. So you could do a waiver priority. So, like, obviously, whoever was, like, the lowest scoring team and... Um, like whoever lost their matchup that week would get first priority in the waivers. Um, in our league, I personally like the the new thing we've been doing, the free agency budget. So everyone gets like a, a set amount of money at the beginning of the off season, and it's basically you could basically outbid each other for waiver picks. Pretty fun way of doing it. And I feel like it's the most even way of doing it as well. Yeah. I yeah, think every, so everybody in the dynasty it. league should be able to get a chance at you know um what was it elijah mitchell a couple of years back oh, or whatever mm-hmm. and like elijah everybody mitchell, was yeah. yeah everybody wanted that because like we kind of knew about him before but it's like he didn't have a whole lot of draft capitals or like eh, probably won't turn into much he did turn into a lot at that time so mm-hmm. you know it's like that's a player you'll drop all of your fab on week one you know what i mean so yeah. Every every player should get a chance to go after a player of that caliber that just kind of pops up out of nowhere. It's really a game changer. Yeah. Well, so uh, there's also rolling waivers, which basically puts the most active waiver players in the back of the queue and leaves everyone who hasn't made a recent acquisition at the front just to give people a chance to maybe not cut in front of, but have more priority or at least have a chance to claim someone. Um, especially with, you know, sometimes in Dynasty, you've got the waiver wire rats that are literally ad dropping like 40 times. <laughs> and it would basically keep them at the end of the queue so that other people could have a shot, which which I think which I think works. But also at the same time, if you're not active in the waivers, um, it's not going to matter. Exactly. Mac was giggling because he's one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's that that is why i think uh free agency budgeting is the most even for everybody whether or not you're a participant oh and yeah, that, that's why i made that joke earlier sorry to cut you off brian sure. but the whole picking uh patrick mahomes off of waivers yeah i did that so yeah you did, um, that, you did that in year two and it's paid off boons for you in the, the, the future years uh, oh having a the Super Bowl champ, best quarterback in the league on my team. Yeah, it's 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 okay. I don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I, uh, I think rolling waivers is fine for uh, redraft leagues if you want, but I, I don't think I don't think it belongs in Dynasty. Yeah, if yeah, you I want like a serious league, yeah. 
I will say, LPFS uh, is now a fab league. It's, it's official. <laughs> no, there's no voting in my league, by the way. Everyone Ooh, knows it's it. not a democracy. No, it's not no. a. It used to be under and under me, and it, it was run into the ground. So Dylan <laughs> came in and became a dictatorship, a dictatorship. <laughs> so is that like a? Yeah, don't think about it too long. Pickled chip. Wait, that's a thing. Delicious. Though. Those are good. It's yeah, a, it's a pickle shaped potato chip. I only like uh, pickles. Pickle like, like, <laughs> is it dense like a pickle? Oh, it is. Nice. <laughs> it has a real snap to it. <laughs> yeah. Juicy. Phew. <laughs> All right, um, let's uh, let's move on here. Take back control of the ship, guy. <laughs> uh, I am, I am. Uh, let's let's move on to our next subject here. So, um, so just another few uh, tips and establishing some more clear boundaries here. So, uh, definitely establish your boundaries when it comes to things like tanking, roster limits, um, scoring settings, trade rapes, and league voting on rule changes for future seasons. So, these are all problems that can happen in a dynasty league like i said it's a lot of trial and error starting off it took me about three to four years to finally like get my league uh in a in a consistent state to which i like and to which benefits everybody equally so with uh tanking who wants to start off on tanking here um so what do we think about it i don't know I man have, I'm, i don't like I'm, tanks I'm conflicted about it because like in in any real sports league tanking is a part of it's just a part of it you know it's like it it benefits people to lose on purpose a lot of the times in professional sports so would that mean that it's going to benefit somebody doing that in fantasy football probably right um i i think that tanking should be allowed with like a certain asterisk where if the player is on your roster if there's a good player that it should is an obvious starter week to week he needs to be in your lineup no matter what. So, I mean, if you want to trade away all your good players and that's how you tank, I, I think that's perfectly okay. You run your team how you want to do it. As long as you're not like having like these crazy mismatch trades where you're sending like Devontae Adams for like a third rounder to your best friend or something like that. You know, as, as long as it, if you're trading somebody to get younger and better in the future and you tank that way, I have no problem with it. But if you have like, I don't know who's a good player, like if you have Jonathan Taylor on your team and you're not starting him, he's on your bench and you start Jarek McKinnon over him or something like that. Even if Jarek McKinnon has a better game than Jonathan Taylor that week, that shouldn't have happened. That that's, that that's uncalled for. I, I think that that is uh, harming the sanctity and the identity of the league. When you do something like that, I think, I think that type of stuff is a joke. I, I don't like that, but I think, I think if you're going to trade away your best players and do it that way, I have no problem with it that way. Yeah, I'd definitely say it hurts the uh, competitiveness of the league too. Like, say uh, the playoff race is heating up or whatever, and then you give that easy win to someone over another person who's competing in a separate game. You know, that might piss the other person off. So yeah, I wanted I to add on to that. Um, so there, there was a rule that we're thinking about adding into our league, which I don't know if it's uh, sleeper specific, but you can go into the league, uh, into the previous year's league. And sort by max points four, right? And we're thinking about adding this in. So max points four adds up how much potential points they could have had throughout the whole season. That's including bench players, right? Yeah. So 
basically it's an anti-tank method, right? So they, you know, they only won one game, say, but they actually had the the ability to score a whole lot more points than that. But they just, you know, like they were trying to tank, so they started the wrong guys on purpose, basically. So that's like a way you can get around things like that. Yeah, I I think I remember you mentioning that too. I think we were talking about doing um sorting our, our like establishing our draft order based on that. So I think that is a good anti-tank method. I still got to put up the non-playoff vote. teams to be clear. Yeah, I I still got to put up the vote for that too by the way. Thank you for reminding me. Mm-hmm. I don't like tanking. I think tanking is it's like a people can come up with reasons why they're tanking or um all projections this this player has present potential that as a commissioner i see these things and i say yeah but at the same time put your best people out there if you lose you lose right but if you don't lose you are affecting by some means playoff seating you're affecting um all those different things that can possibly affect your you know opponents and your league mates so I don't see a place for it, especially um, especially in a game where trading is so prevalent. I mean, if you have the second pick, you can get the first pick. If you really want that first pick so bad, you can find a way to get it. There's different ways to do it. Um, and I don't really condone it as much as I don't condone people leaving injured players or IR players in their rosters. I've done it on accident, but it's in the same lines of you should care enough about the sanctity of this game, the, you know, the the fun of the other players in the league, not to do these things on purpose. And that makes me feel a certain way about yeah. the players that own the teams. Yeah, it's definitely just a league courtesy thing. and But also the yeah. tricky part with tanking, though, too, it, it is kind of like a gray area, especially when it comes to Dynasty format. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much all I'll say about that. Um, let's quickly brush over uh, roster limits here. So roster limits, I would say relegate uh so roster limit meaning how many players of this position you can have on your roster in a dynasty league so obviously for your wide receivers and running backs i would say there's no limit to that being that they are very important positions depending on how many slots you have of each in a roster the one position i will say roster limits are probably needed for are quarterbacks because you don't want people just hoarding like four or five quarterbacks especially like say in a 10-man league where there's only you know 32 quarterbacks you can possibly pick from so i would say establish tight ends too, honestly oh yeah tight ends too i mean you don't really want that many tight ends anyways it's already a pretty desolate position as it is in terms of skill mm-hmm. but quarterback is easily the most important one like i said you don't want hoarders which is another problem you can run into yeah that literally happened in my league last year there was uh it was a very important uh last week of the regular season and fantasy matchup and the team that was on, you know, they were already out of the playoffs, but they saw the team that they were going against needed to win that game. So they went and picked up damn near every quarterback on the waivers. They ended up, they had like seven on the roster. It was ridiculous. So we had to vote on that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a filthy strategy. I mean, it is a strategy, but it's very frowned upon as well. So just get get rid of that problem completely by establishing a roster limit for your quarterback position. And, and if you don't think your team is going to need roster limits, there's always going to be one person in your league that maybe you don't even expect is going to ruin it for everybody. So I would say just just establish, even if it's not like a low number, just establish some roster limits. Yep, exactly. Um, let's move on to trade rapes and ways to counteract that. So everyone 
knows a trade raper. Someone that just <laughs> at least one or two. Every league has one. You know, they just they try to get the best deal possible. They see a trade as them winning or losing when it should be something that benefits both teams. Our um, leagues have a few. Exactly. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'd say I'd say a good way to counteract trade raping is um, so there are a few ways you can do this. So um, obviously you can veto a trade if the league consensually agrees that this is a shit trade. If like whether it be one person just has no knowledge compared to the other person, um, you could also do um, voting on every single trade in the league. We tried that for a little bit, but then it started pissing people off. Uh, even if it was a good trade, some people would just vote that it was a bad trade and to veto it. So um, it basically comes down to league trust. Just like have 10 members with you, you know, that you can all trust to like not screw each other over. And everyone can just agree that a trade is good or not. Let's say uh, real quick, the standard size is more normally twelve people in a league. But yeah, let me uh, let me let me. Can I interject here? I got. So I think I don't think voting should. I don't think league voting should happen ever for trades. I think as long as you have a commissioner that you all trust, I think that that should be his job and his job alone. Yeah, I agree. Deci- deciding whether or not trades are fair or not. If if, if it's an only only vetoing if it's a complete trade right because you especially in the heat of the moment, you can't trust some of your league mates to like keep a steady hand, you know, like keep a steady head, think of things without any bias, is this fair or not? It would just be like, "Oh, well, the, you know, one person's fair is another person's unfair," you know. So I I think that somebody, especially like Kai, I think that you're really good at stuff like this, like like sniffing out things that are fair or not in trades. Yep. I think you, I, I think we all trust you specifically too, that you can uh, do that. I think Dylan too is, is somebody that can step this kind of stuff out. So I, I think I am too in our, in our redraft league. So like, as long as you have a commissioner that you trust, I don't think league voting should happen ever because you can't trust anyone to be partial and be fair towards stuff like this, especially in the heat of the moment, right after a trade happens, where maybe somebody's like disappointed that they didn't get that player or disappointed that their rival just got better or something like that. You know, I, I don't, I don't like T I don't like league voting for trades at all. No. Yeah. I have to agree with Brian here because it created endless, endless drama in our league for the first time. I don't think we turned that off until like year four. Yeah. So the first three years of the league, it was this, Literally every weekend, it was something like, we need everybody to get in here and vote on this trade because, you know, some people don't like it, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, why are we doing this? You know, it was literally such a waste of time and energy. Yeah, Yeah, man, it brings me back to the, there's no voting, almost never, you know, because like uh, the way, the thing I've noticed about voting in, uh, in these formats is it's usually a landslide one way or the other. Usually things make sense, right? And I don't, I don't know how much, like, I don't know. I just, I just got tired of having to wrangle people up. Hey, vote for this, vote for that. Nobody, I don't got time for that, you know? And plus, I guess I, I feel like the, the trade rape thing, right? I have, I know there's trade rape negotiations that happen all over the place. Like, uh oh, the first offer made for somebody like, yeah, that's a, that's, you get angry. Like, oh, that's a trade rape right there. You know what I mean? But as for that happening in my own personal, like in LGFS, my dynasty league, um, I don't feel like a lot of trade rapes do happen. There are winners and losers of trades for sure. But as for as for like the unfairness, um, I I don't know if we have too much 
of that going around these days. It's usually pretty consensual between the two parties. So I'm pretty happy about that. Yep, everyone's definitely got their own goals when it comes to trades and how they construct their rosters. So that's a good point that you made there. Um, Yeah, so let's move on to our next topic. So problems or issues that a dynasty league can run into down the line. And there are some big problems that can happen. Like we've all, like I said, trial and error. Um, So one thing is you can have just inactive members, you know, someone just, they lose, uh, they lose their passion. They just stop trying. And then their team sucks for the next two or three years. And then they definitely don't want to try anymore. So big problem to have. This is why it is very important that when you start up a dynasty league, you make sure that they know what they are in for. They got to know that it's a year long commitment. Yeah. You are going to have years where you suck, but you can easily bounce back. Like I've seen it time and time again. We have, I've brought in members inheriting uh, teams of people that I've kicked out, and they've immediately turned them into powerhouses again. In the, Brian, in the league, best example. In the league that Dylan uh, runs right now that I started, uh, Dynasty League, we've had, I believe, it may have been more. I know I, I can remember two instances for sure that the team that had the number one overall pick in one year went on to win the whole entire thing the following year. So twice. So that's pretty good. I think we've only been doing it for seven or eight years. So it's like, you know, that, that's a that's a pretty good number. So like it shows that hard work and drafting correctly, you can turn your dynasty team around really quickly. A lot of people just give up right away when they have like a middling team. It's like, dude, with one or maybe two really good drafts, your team could be, you know, star studded again. You just got to actually, you know, put in like tw- 20 minutes when you're on the toilet, read a draft article or something, you know, like it, it doesn't, it really doesn't take that much effort to turn your team around. And if you don't take 20 minute poops, you can also read it sitting on a chair. Uh, <laughs> is that allowed? 20 minutes. Hey, hey, when you're sitting on the toilet for 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I guess you can use a chair. I haven't thought of it. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So the problems that the dynasty I always league, poop when I read. <laughs> I always poop when... Oh, that's nasty. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read. Don't ever read again. Um got me again. This thing is just a, a page turner. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so the problems that uh, my dynasty league ran into was it, it was just like attrition. It was people falling out. It was people falling out too late as well. So you got a guy that's not in the league. He, he's not invested in the league for two years. His team is in shambles. Right. And then you have to give that team to someone new who is an, already has an uphill battle. And if that happens two or three times, if you have two or three teams drop out, you're going to run into the problems like um, disparity in your league. You're going to have top teams and bottom teams and the bottom teams. It, it, for anybody that takes those over, it's going to be a different experience. So it's really just making sure you keep your league balanced um, and have committed players. That's the only thing I could say is when you go in, just try as hard as you can to have committed, committed people. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like it's not worth starting if you only have four people. You need eight, nine, ten people in your league that understand what's going on, that are dedicated to the idea, that are going to make it work. And I mean, you might, yeah, it, it, it's a it's a hard game, and and. And kind of getting new people in there and revitalizing the league is a, is a tough thing. 
But to but to anyone's benefit, though, there are people out there that do enjoy the prospect of taking over a um, a team that's been in shambles and bringing it back to glory. It's almost like you know playing a Madden franchise and you pick the worst team and try to make them as good as possible. I mean, there are people that do get off on things like that. So do not lose hope if you do experience that problem in your league of imbalanced rosters where there's just a huge power vacuum where you know there's like two or three teams that just took advantage of everyone else not participating and now they have the most stacked rosters they're winning the next few years like i said it's just finding the committed members and there are people that will love the prospect of doing that so that's basically all i can say on that you guys have anything else to add nope all right so let's move it on to um we're getting here to the closing point actually this is the last closing point on a dynasty league so ways to spice up your dynasty league so i do a few different things myself to keep my dynasty league fresh and fun and the reception's been pretty good i mean i for a few years i've had a a waiting list of a few people waiting to get into this league dylan you were one of them brian you were also one humble brag yeah yeah, so um, a few different things I like to do is I like to, I myself do uh, weekly PowerPoint rankings. So kind of like similar to the NFL's power rankings, I write up a PowerPoint um, with like all these decorations and stuff and stats and stuff. And I kind of like <laughs> write a quick little paragraph on how this team's performing this week, who they've beaten and how they rise compared to other teams. So that's something fun you could do. You could also do a perpetual trophy, which is a, a fantasy trophy for your league that has like 10 to 20 spots marked on it for the years already. That seems to be pretty fun. Everyone loves that, you know, getting their name on the trophy. Mac, you've won the trophy yourself twice. Two times. It's a lot better when people put the, the little placards in the correct order, though. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, I gotta... Diva, dude. It was annoying. It's like you go down the list and it's like 2021, 2023. What the heck are we doing? You know? Yeah. Exactly. I think uh, for, I, I love I love the thought of you uh, having decorations on your PowerPoint. I don't know why. I just thought that was that was a funny word. Uh, I know. I was little, trying to think little, of something. The little, <laughs> grand, the little granny doilies or whatever. <laughs> Putting an ornament above the word Brian on a slide. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I think that the PowerPoint might sound like something that it would just like somebody might brush over if they're listening to the podcast. I actually think Kai's PowerPoints like help the league like tenfold. Like it's, it's such like a, a nice little fun way to like spice things up. It's something to look forward to every single week too. The thing is though, you got to have a commissioner that's willing to do shit like that. Like Kai, Kai is a, a fantastic commissioner. He's willing to do, go the extra mile to make it fun for the rest of us. Even, you know, spending a, a, a you know, an hour a week doing something like this an hour to a week doing shit like this. So I, I don't underestimate doing like little fun. It doesn't have to be a PowerPoint, but like little tiny fun things like that just to spice your league up. It, it would go a long way. Yep, exactly. Yeah, people, people start chirping if the, the, the PowerPoint isn't released on time because they, <laughs> they, they look forward to reading it that much. It's, it's, you know? a, it's a stimuli, you know. People are looking for that, uh, you know, that extra boost in their brain. They want something mm-hmm. to read. Yeah, so yeah, there's bet, little I, things like that. I never thought about it either, but it's probably really great for you doing those write-ups because you are like paying more close attention to the rookies that are not on your team and stuff like that. Like you know, or uh, maybe a sophomore who's starting uh, producing a lot more things like that. Mm-hmm. So it probably gives you like an overall knowledge that is much more, you know, reaches every corner. So that's that's pretty yep. smart. 
Yeah, so um, we also do a personal podcast for our league. We started that last year too. So um, yeah, we do like we rank the teams uh, during the off season after the rookie draft. People really like that a lot too. It's kind of how we got our experience with podcasting too, and it's been a very fun project to do that. Um, the last thing you could do to spice up your league. So if you do run into the problem of you know just inactivity, imbalanced rosters, or loss of passion, you could do something similar to what Dylan is doing this year in his dynasty league. I call it a soft reset. Can you want to explain what you did this off season, Dylan? Uh yeah, definitely. So we did run into some problems with uh, disparity in the league, just the power vacuum. And you know, I I'd been mulling it over for a couple years now. Uh, so basically what we're doing is everybody's allowed to keep a starting lineup. So your quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and we do three flexes and a tight end, obviously. Um, you're allowed to fill those spots and your taxi spots, which are haven't been, I guess, discussed. But taxi spots are like practice squad spots where you can have a player and stash them and keep them there. And it doesn't count against your roster and dropping the whole entire bench. And doing a uh, supplemental draft to pick all pick every team gets a chance to pick uh, five players from the pool of players that were just dropped from everybody's benches. So it's kind of like it enables people to keep their core team and also rebuild their depth. Hopefully, help um, with that over time. So everybody pretty much has a talented team. It just comes down to injuries and your depth and whether or not you can, you know stand the attrition so yeah i kind of just like hoping that works i think that was a really good move too because like you said in your league there was a huge disparity like some of the top heavy teams they just had such stacked rosters and they couldn't keep everybody so now some of those players can trickle down to the weaker teams now yeah so yeah i think that was a fantastic move on your own end um the last thing i will say another way to spice up your own dynasty league um if anyone has heard of rate my league uh that is something that we use as well so they are a podcasting company that um, will look at your league and they will do their own hour-long episode uh, ranking everybody in your league. Um, I think it's like 40 or 50 bucks for like a 10-man league. I, the prices vary depending on how many members there are. So that's something pretty fun to do too. The league, they look forward to that every year as well. And we kind of combine that with our own personal podcast, like I mentioned earlier. So that's just like, that's the last thing I could suggest to spice up your dynasty league. Like overall, it's just the little things you do. Um, you don't have to do as much effort as I do in my league, but anything really helps, honestly, to keep your members invested. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it, I, I definitely applaud you for all that you do in the uh, in your Ascended Prime Dynasty League because I've seen and heard and been around some of the things that you've done. This is my first year in the league, so I've yet to experience, you know, these things personally. But I do have to say, like, really sets a precedent for how someone should run a dynasty league. And I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm taking notes, you know, I don't necessarily have like the drive to do the, some of the great things you do, but you're definitely an inspiration to those, you know, the, the, the great league. things you do. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate the thought. So, um, yeah, that closes up, that closes up our discussion on how to start up a dynasty league. I hope you really all found it beneficial and take it as an inspiration to get into the funnest way to play fantasy football, in my opinion. Um, before we close up the show, I think Brian here has a raging take like we do at the end of every episode. 
I do. Uh, before I get into my raging take, though, I just want to have a small little breaking news from the NBA. Uh, Tim McMahon, who is a plugged in Mavericks reporter for ESPN, uh, tweeted out NBA spokesman Mike Bass says, quote, the NBA commenced an investigation today into the facts and circumstances surrounding the Dallas Mavericks roster decisions and game conduct with respect to last night's Chicago Bulls Mavericks game including the motivations behind those actions. So it looks like the Mavs might be in a little trouble for uh, resting all their their uh, their players trying to uh, mini tank. Take so their first round pick. Keep uh, keep that in mind as we move into this next week. So that'll be interesting to see how that uh, shakes up. For my raging take, I have a, uh, a raging NBA take. So I actually thought of this last night and then I forgot about it until halfway through this episode. And then I, I it just popped back into my brain. So as I was talking about earlier, the uh, Sixers and Nets are guaranteed a 3-6 first-round matchup in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I don't think the Nets are very good. They obviously you know, traded away KD and Kyrie. Uh, but with that being said, the Sixers have this like little bit of like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say lazy, but like lazy factor to them. I, I mean, James Harden obviously is, uh, picks his spots to show up in the playoffs. I feel as if the Sixers will not lose the series, but I do think the Nets take them deeper than what I think a lot of people are going to predict. I think that the Nets are going to take the Sixers to seven games. I think the Sixers will win in seven, but I think the Nets will give them hell. They're, they got a lot of like scrappy young players that like have stuff to prove, uh, play hard, play defense, like Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. I think that they will take a few games from the Sixers, and I think one of those wins will be a game in which the Sixers lead by at least 15 or 20 points. I think that they have a comeback win in them. So that's my raging take, Sixers-Nets. I like it. I really do think the Sixers might be the biggest choke artists like that are like an elite team, for sure. I like that like- one. I feel like Doc isn't like plugged in as much as he used to be like 15 years ago when he was like winning championship. Uh, I was almost at championships, but championship with Boston. Uh, it feels like, I mean, Embiid is Embiid, but it feels like sometimes he can't be fully locked in either. He's just out there just like flailing around. James Harden is James Harden. You know, he's thinking about the club after the game. So I, yeah, I don't, I, I just, it just came to me. I, the whole, like ever since KD left, I was like, the Nets are going to get swept no matter who they play in the first round. And then when I saw that Sixers-Nets matchup was guaranteed, I just started thinking about it. I'm like, man, the Nets are scrappy enough that they might give the Sixers some trouble if the Sixers don't feel like playing 100%. So we'll see. Maybe maybe the Sixers will kick into gear and, and not mess around. But uh, when it comes to them beating Harden, you can't fully predict that sometimes. So that's my, that's my raging take for the week. That's a very good raging take, I will say. Um, I think that about wraps it up here for the Raging Takes podcast. As a reminder, we always uh, say send any questions or takes that you may have ha- that you may have or want us to discuss on a future episode. Send it directly to our Twitter at RagingTakes.com or our personal Twitters. I am RTP Kai. Brian is Mantana Sauce, and Mac is it's Mac Bruh. Dylan, I don't think you have a Twitter, but that's okay. Not actively, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's raging takes at raging takes at gmail.com. Raging yeah, takes at that, gmail.com. That, that is also our email address. Yeah, I was saying our Twitters at first. But... I think you said raging takes.com, which is not a website. <laughs> oh, <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe one day. Maybe, maybe one day.
But yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Raging Takes podcast. I hope um, you guys get some inspiration for starting up a dynasty league. And uh, Dylan, thank you so much for your guest appearance today. Um, we are signing off. See ya. Definitely.